Welcome to Grace Covenant Church, D.C. You're listening to our weekly sermon podcast. We hope that you enjoyed this message. Good morning, my name is Rich, and uh, we are wrapping up our series, Gen Next. And so if you haven't been here, you can catch all these online. Um, you know, our God is a generational God. The Bible talks about him and it communicates him in such a way that his heart, although he is a very personal God, he's also a generational God. He's both and. And sometimes I think we can miss the generational part, that, that he thought about you before the foundation of this world. Before everything was created, he thought about you. And when I say you, I mean you and every human to have ever lived and whoever will live on this earth. Um, this, uh, this message is called or subtitled Becoming. So Gen X Becoming, we want to become, what does it look like to become a church or a group of pe- people, believers, who, who are becoming a Gen X people, okay? So Father, we thank you so much for your word. God, we thank you that your heart has always been for us. It has been for all the ages, for all the people in this church, for all the people in this world. So, Father, we ask that you would help us become more like you. Let your word be heard this morning. God, in any area that I lack, in any area of weakness in me or things that I miss, God, I'm believing that the Holy Spirit, you are present and you are speaking and you are imparting and impressing something to all the generations in this room. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, every generation is sandwiched in between the former and, and, the, and what's going to come. You know, in a lot of ways, it's kind of like a Chipotle burrito. You know, when you go to Chipotle, you get there, you get in line, and the first question they ask, you know, what do you want? And then they get to the rice, and you say white rice. I mean, if you're by yourself and you're eating by yourself, you get white rice. And when others are with you, you like, oh, brown, please, brown rice. I enjoy brown rice. But there are different elements of, of the burrito, and there's different pieces, and each part has a different taste. It has a different texture, and, and, and you can change it up as time you go. But no matter what's inside the burrito, it's still just a burrito. It's a burrito. And that's the way that God looks at us. He looks at us like a Chipotle burrito. <laughs> and he really likes you. He really does. With guacamole and sour cream and all that good stuff. But each generation, although they have this, its distinct features, we are collectively in, you know, perceived by God as one, as humanity. And so for those of you who don't really like uh, being a part of uh, those group projects back in school, you know who you are. Man, I hate working with other people. If I could just do my own thing, if I could, even if I do my part, I, gotta, I don't want to rely on three other people because I'm not going to get a grade that I know I can get on my own. And although that might be true in that particular small, very focused situation, the reality is this, is we need to live life as if it's a group project. Because you can achieve all that you want, but if you're not a part of transferring something to the next generation, then you miss a piece of what God had for you. And so we're going to look at two different stories at two different times. This morning, and we're going to kind of look at the game film. We're going to look back at some moments of generational transfer and some what did they do good? What didn't they do so good? What can we apply to our lives? And my hope is that we pull out some practical things along the way that you all can take from here and go out into the world and actually do something specific. 
okay? So I just want to let you guys know, we're going to read a lot of scripture this morning, okay? Well, I'm going to read a lot of scripture. You're going to hear a lot of scripture this morning, all right? So stick with me. We got three things that we're going to talk about to become a Gen Next people. Be intentional, be open, be proactive. Those are the three things. So the first one, be intentional. Generational transfer happens when something is impressed and imprinted from one person to another. That's it. Think of it here. And I know there's different generations in this room right now. So some of you all might lose a third of you or more. But anyone ever heard or this, this concept called a checkbook? <laughs> in first service, there are a few people that have never actually written a check before. And if you, so if you're familiar with that, then you understand the concept of a thing called transfer paper. And transfer paper is kind of like, you know, back in the day when you get a referral and they kind of write it on here. This was going to the teacher. This was going to the principal. And this was going to you. But they only wrote it once. It's the same thing with the checkbook that when you write something, something is imprinted and impressed to the next page. In fact, there's a little flap that you put under there to make sure that it doesn't go to multiple checks because you only want to write one check. And you write that thing. That's, that's what it looks like to transfer something generationally. That when, as you're writing something in the present, that what's, on the, what's beneath it or what's coming after it is exactly what was on the top. And that's when there's healthy generational transfer taking place is you can see and connect and say, oh, that's from, oh, that's from, and it looks exactly like the one before. If you watch any CSI or shows on TV or any kind of those mysteries, you know, cops and, and stuff like that, and I love how these detectives, they walk into a crime scene and they're trying to find a clue. And one guy has the brilliant idea. Oh, here's a blank notepad. I bet if we put a sheet of paper on here and I just scribble, I could see what was written on there before. Anyone? You know what I'm talking about? Right? It's like, come on, let's, let's come up with something new. Right? So if you ever write something, you don't want someone to see, rip two pages off. So, <clears throat> but they come and, and what was once written there before got through to the second page. It was, in, it was impressed upon, but it wasn't imprinted on. And that page, you rip it off, and just at first glance, it's although the indentation is there, it's invisible. And you can't see it. It's waiting to be filled in. God, let us not be a people that we write our own stuff, rewrite our own things, only to imp- impress something on the next generation, but we fail to let it become visible. And so we walk around with things that are written on us, but we, don't, we can't comprehend it. It doesn't make sense. And what's transferred naturally without effort or intentionality are rarely the things you want transferred. But the good things you want to transfer, the God things you want to transfer, it has to be intentional. We have to be intentional. I love me and my wife will... You know, I'm sure most parents do this, and if you don't have kids, someday you will do this. But we look at our daughter, we look at our son, and, and especially when it's something like it's not good, we say, oh, that's, that's, your, that's your daughter. <laughs> that's your daughter. Why? There's some things that my daughter says, I'm like, where did she get that from? And my wife would be like, well, she, she got that from you. <laughs> like, oh, but I didn't, I didn't teach her that. Why? Because it was, it was impressed on her. See, we don't reproduce what we know. You reproduce who you are. So it's important to know something, but it's even better to become something. Be intentional. 
Some of you all, you know, you try, you've been intentional about saying this, and this is kind of a, a curse on yourself, and saying, when I grow up, I will not be like my father. When I grow up, I will not be like my mother. And no matter how hard you try, you cannot outrun yourself. Because they are in you. And you can fight to tweak things and change things. But, but you ever just kind of like, you know, just the things you do in life, as you're doing it in that moment, you're like, oh my gosh. This is exactly what my dad did. And I used to hate that. Because they were transferred. And it was transferred naturally. And if you need to be intentional about what you write on that check, how much more should we be intentional about what we write on the next generation? You guys ready to read or follow along with some scripture? Some really good stories here. 1 Kings chapter 19, <clears throat> verses 11 through 21. This is right after Elijah had a huge successful ministry moment. I'm talking literally a mountaintop experience. God showed up in powerful ways. And shortly thereafter, he, had some, he was confronted with his own humanity. And then God kind of steps in here in verse 11. It says, then he said, God saying this to Elijah, go out and stand on the mountain in the Lord's presence. At that moment, the Lord passed by. A great and mighty wind was tearing at the mountains and was shattering cliffs before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was a voice, a soft whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle, which is another word for a cloak or a garment, and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And suddenly a voice came to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? I have been very zealous for the Lord God of armies, he replied, but the Israelites have abandoned your covenant torn down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left. And they're looking for me to take my life. Then the Lord said to him, go and return by the way you came to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive, you are to anoint Hazael as king over Aram. You are to anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, as king over Israel and Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel Meholah, as prophet in your place. Then Jehu will put to death whoever escapes the sword of Hazael and Elisha will put to death whoever escapes the sword of Jehu. But I will leave 7,000 in Israel. Every knee that has not bowed to Baal and every mouth that has not kissed him, Elijah left there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat, as he was plowing. I love how it's easy to be found by God when you're already working. Twelve team of oxen were in front of him, and he was with the twelfth team. And Elijah walked by him and threw his mantle over him. Elisha left the oxen, ran to follow Elijah, and said, please let me kiss my father and my mother, and then I'll follow you. Go on back, he replied, for what have I done to you? Basically saying, don't forget what just happened here. So he turned back from following him, took the team of oxen, and slaughtered them. With the oxen's wooden yoke and plow, he cooked the meat and gave it to the people, and they ate. And then he left, followed Elijah, and served him. Be intentional. You see, <clears throat> oftentimes if you're not intentional, you'll miss something. But not only that, I love this. Elijah, Elijah's in the cave and it said this, it wasn't the wind because God wasn't in the wind. And it wasn't just a gust of wind. This wind was breaking the cliffs. 
okay? Then there was an earthquake. He's not in the earthquake. Then there's a fire. He's not in the fire. See, that's the, that's the first earth, wind, and fire, but God is not found in that, is he? <laughs> it was his voice. How many times do we miss the voice of God because we're looking for an experience that we can see and feel? And I'm not saying that there won't be moments in our lives in which we feel God like a fire in us. And we feel the earth shake and you feel his mighty rushing wind blowing in you and through you. And those are great. But you will miss out on the whisper of God if you're not intentional to listen to his voice. See, if we want to be a Gen Next people, we have to be intentional. Elijah heard the whisper of God and told him to go find Elijah. And I love this. Jesus did the same thing, didn't he? After he was baptized in water, he was in wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. And in that time, we believe that he was hearing God and spending time with God. So when he came out, he began to pluck his disciples. He was intentional about what am I going to do next, Jen next. Now let's look at another story. We're going to look at Moses and Aaron. So we got Elijah and Elisha, and that's their kind of initial moment, being intentional. So here's a moment where some guys were not too intentional. In Numbers chapter 20, verse 1 through 12, it says this, The entire Israelite community entered the wilderness of Zin in the first month. By the way, if you study and go back and read, the first month wasn't the first month that they were in the wilderness. It was actually the first month of the 40th year in the wilderness. So I want you to have that picture in your mind. Think of you all, if you, if you work out, it's the last five minutes of your workout. It's the last five minutes that you've been waiting in line. It's the, it's the, it's the last part that you've been waiting and enduring for. Carrying the weight for how long? I don't know. It's, 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 it's the last trimester. It's, it's not even the last trimester. It's like the next two weeks this baby can come anytime. This is where they're at. And it says, and they settled in Kadesh. Miriam died and was buried there. Verse 2, there was no water for the community, so they assembled against Moses. The Avengers aren't the only ones who can assemble. <laughs> so they assembled against Moses, not with Moses, against Moses and Aaron. The people quarreled with Moses and said, if only we had perished with our brothers. If only we had perished when our brothers perished before the Lord. See, they were speaking to the old generation. So you're about to hear something that's going to sound really similar here. You ready for it? It goes on and says here, If only we had perished when our brothers perished before the Lord. Why have you brought the Lord's assembly into the wilderness for us and our livestock to die here? Why have you led us up from Egypt to bring us to the evil place? It's not a place of grain, figs, vines, or pomegranates. Uh, pomegranates. And there is no water to drink. Then Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly to the doorway of the tent of meeting. And they fell face down. And the glory of the Lord appeared to them. And the Lord spoke to Moses, take the staff and assemble the community. You and your brother Aaron are to speak. Say speak. Speak to the rock while they watch. And it will yield its water. You will bring out water from, uh, for them from the rock and provide drink for the community and their livestock. So Moses took the staff from the Lord's presence just as he had commanded him. Moses and Aaron summoned the assembly in front of the rock and Moses said to them, listen, you rebels, 
I don't think God told him to say that. <laughs> we like to add stuff sometimes. Must we bring water out of this rock for you? And then Moses raised his hand and struck the rock twice with his staff so that abundant water gushed out in the community and their livestock drank. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not trust me to demonstrate my holiness in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this assembly into the land I have given them. You will not bring them into the land that I've given them. See, at one point, Moses was a part of them. And now God is pulling him out once again and saying, because you didn't follow my command. You weren't intentional. You see, this was an opportunity. The generation, the people that were there that were coming and, and complaining to Moses and Aaron, they sound just like their parents, don't they? Because if you go back in numbers, it's almost verbatim what was said back then. Why did you take us out of Egypt? We ain't got no food. We ain't got no drink. We ain't got this. And at that moment, God commanded Moses to strike the rock, and they got water. And they had manna from heaven. And they had all this stuff. But because of their heart was rebellious towards God, he said, anyone that's, that's, under the age, that's over the age of 20 will not step into the promised land, except for Moses, Aaron, Joshua, and Caleb. And so those guys are here with this assembly, but this assembly sounds a lot like the generations before. Why? Because something was transferred to them. But here was the moment where God is saying this. He's like, he's like Moses, you, you. there was an opportunity for the people to see something and for you to impart, to impress, and imprint something to this next generation who didn't quite know God the way they would know him in the future. They didn't quite know the people that God was making them into. So here was an opportunity. See, Moses and Aaron were great before God. They're still considered to this day as great men of faith. God loves them very much. They're one of the heroes of our faith. But in this moment, they missed an opportunity to communicate and demonstrate God's holiness and impart something to a generation that their forefathers and mothers didn't give to them. And they missed it. And as a result, God said, Aaron, Moses, you guys aren't going to be the one to take this group of people into the promised land. At the end of the finish line, all, you need to be intentional. And on top of that, you need to be intentional all the way through. See, it's easy to be intentional when you first start walking with God, isn't it? Because you recognize I need everything. <laughs> I need to read every book, go to every prayer meeting, go to both services every Sunday. I'm going to do all this stuff. But you see, as the years go on, people begin to, not to say that that's what you have to do. I'm just saying you're intentional about getting all that you can get. At what point does that begin to fade away and you lose your intentionality? You'll lose what God has for you. <clears throat> so number two, be open. Elisha was open to Elijah. Someone can attempt to deposit something in you, but if you don't want it, you're not going to get it. I love, Elijah's off the chain, man. That dude, he, he's, he's a trip. I want to see a movie about him. And it might be a comedy, low-key comedy, action comedy. You know what I'm saying? Because he, he, he heard God's voice. He heard the whisper. He didn't know who Elisha was, but God already told Elijah, he's going to take your mantle. So he already knew going into it that I'm about to go find the guy who's going to take my job. And he still did it because he was Gen Next minded. 
But I love this. Elisha's working the ground. He's outside. I mean, I'm assuming it's hot. He's sweaty, just like I am right now. And it's like you, he's working this ground. And I don't know about you, but if you're sitting at Union Station and you're working on your computer, and someone comes and just puts a, puts a jacket on you, <laughs> you'll shit me out of that thing. Like, what? what? And you, you know, you got your hand sanitizer and you start putting all, you know, like, what's going on? Elijah, Elijah, Elijah didn't know who Elijah was. <laughs> and Elisha's working, and here comes Elijah. Boom, and kept, kept going. Because it said that Elisha, he said he had to go run to Elijah. So it wasn't like this, hey, my son, I'm going to put this cloak on you. Let's talk. Let's be intentional. No, no, no. He, he had to be open to the fact that, what is this thing on me? <laughs> Maybe he chased after him for another reason. I don't know. When he got closer, he realized, oh, you're, a, you're that dude Elijah that I heard about. But he ran to him. What would have happened? If, if Elisha wasn't open in that moment. You know, when we look at, <clears throat> when it's easy to see a picture of a parent and a kid in regards to the age gap when you think about generational transfer. And you sh- it should be so. When I think about generational transfer, I think of an old wise man and a young wise person. Just, yeah, just, just feed me. Pour into me all your depth and all your knowledge and all your wisdom. But the reality is this. That's not the only way that God transfers stuff to us generationally. You know the technical term, generational transfer? It's, it sounds nice and it rolls off the tongue, and we'll keep using it. But it means transfer within a generation. But when we say it, we typically talk about the young kids and the babies and, the, and that age gap, the, the thing that we go first go to. That's actually intergenerational transfer. And God's in the both ends. But if you're not aware of this, what happens is you, when you intentionally or not, we kind of have this preset in our minds that, okay, I'm in my 20s. I want to be a businessman. I want to get married. I want to do this. So I need a guy to disciple me who's married, has this amount of kids and has this kind of job. And we start to look for people who are older than us, people who have been where we're going. And that's good. You should look for those things. But when it's the only thing you're looking for, you'll miss the people who are around your age who God is longing to use to help you mature and grow. Do you hear what I'm saying? See, to to a Gen X people, it's not just, God's heart is not just the previous and and the future generations. It's also the present generation. There are people sitting in this room right now who you're not getting anything from because you're not open to receiving it from them. Maybe because they look different than you. Maybe because they're younger than you. And that's a hard one, isn't it? Man, what are you going to You don't even have no kids. I'm trying to figure out how to be a, a husband and a father. You, you single out here playing video games all the time. What are you talking about? And I'm not saying that you don't look for those mentor relationships, but you know that God can still use that person to help me? Are you open? Are you open? In addition to being open to who and when transfer comes to you, be open to when transfer comes through you. Which leads us to the next point. Be proactive. Be proactive. So the first one was be intentional. Second one was be open. And the third one, be proactive. Don't settle with being a passive recipient. Become an active participant. Don't settle with being passive. 
And it's not just the church or school teachers or parents' responsibility to imprint, impress, or transfer. It's everyone. So I want to show you guys a quick video. It's a really fast video, so if you're looking down, you're going to miss it. All right? Watch this clip real quick. Ready to blow. Coyote trap, dude. Ah, this hurts. Yeah, we got like a huge vermin problem. I mean, we wouldn't be meaning to call somebody about it, but you know, nobody get on the phone. You're the people you would be calling. <laughs> that is so trippy. <laughs> it's trippy, but it's true. They are the people. You are the people that God is raising up to reach the next generation, the past generation, the current generation. And how many times can we be this bystander effect where it's like, oh, someone else will do it? No, no, it's you. And see, the trap, pun intended, the trap is thinking that someone else will do it. And then you get frustrated, upset when you say, man, these, these kids these days. The grass ain't green because you ain't watering the grass. You got to cut the grass. You got to pull the weeds out. So stop complaining about something the way it is when you're the one that God is saying, it's your yard. It's your city. It's your family. It's your kids. It's not just, ah. okay, time, move on. When we're not proactive, people can really get hurt. And being proactive goes both ways. It's not just being proactive to go and pour out. It's being proactive to go and receive. We'll pick them back up with Elijah and Elisha in 2 Kings chapter 2. And it says, And Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here. The Lord is sending me on to Bethel. But Elisha replied, As the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. Then the sons of the prophets who were at Bethel came to Elisha and said, Do you know that the Lord... Uh, will take your master away from you today? He said, yes, I know. Be quiet. <laughs> and Elijah said to him, Elisha, stay here. The Lord is sending me to Jericho. But Elisha said, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they went to Jericho. Then the sons of the prophets who were in Jericho came up to Elisha and said, do you know that the Lord will take your master away from you today? And he said, yes, I know. Be quiet. Some, sometimes you got to tell people to be quiet. It's like, and these are, good, these are good men trying to help him out, but it's kind of like, thank you, Captain Obvious. I, I, I'm, I'm trying to, I got to be proactive here. I'm not waiting for something to happen. So Elijah said to him, stay here. The Lord is sending me to the Jordan. But Elisha said, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on, and 50 men from the company of the prophets went and stood at a distance, facing the place where Elijah and Elisha had stopped at the Jordan. Elijah took his mantle, rolled it up, and struck the water, which parted to the right and left. Then the two of them crossed over on dry ground. When they had crossed over, Elijah said to Elisha, tell me what I can do for you before I am taken from you. So Elisha, Elisha answered, please let me inherit two shares of your spirit. And Elijah replied, you have asked for something difficult. If you see me being taken from you, you will have it. If not, you won't. In verse 11, as they continued walking and talking. I love that, by the way. As they were walking, they were also talking. Some things are taught, some things are caught. Here, things were being taught and caught. 
But as they continued walking and talking, a chariot of fire with horses of fire suddenly appeared and separated the two of them. And then Elijah went up into heaven in a whirlwind. I told you, he's off the chain. As Elisha watched, he kept crying out, my father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of Israel, basically saying, I, I see it. When he could see him no longer, he took hold of his own clothes, tore them in two, and picked up the mantle that had fallen off Elijah and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. He took the mantle Elijah had dropped and he struck the water. Where is the Lord God of Elijah, he asked. He struck the water himself and it parted to the right and the left, and Elisha crossed over. See, because of what was imparted, the water was able to be parted. And I love this here. Elisha was intent about staying close to Elijah. I'm not telling you to start bugging people because he was low-key kind of disobedient, right? He's like, stay here. No, I ain't staying here. <laughs> but in that moment, he recognized, I have to be proactive. I can't just wait for you to go, and then whenever you come back, or he's like, no, no, I got to get something. Do you have that proactive spirit inside of you right now today? That says, I'm not going to wait for someone to come ask me for prayer. I'm going to go ask for prayer. I'm not going to wait for my sin to tell on me. I'm going to go ask someone to help me confess, help me repent, help me deal with this before this wrecks my life. I need to be proactive in receiving something so that I can be proactive in giving something. And oftentimes we don't want to give something because we don't think we have anything to give. You better go get your gift. Go get your gift. And Elijah's mantle had fallen off of him. He let it go. You know, Elijah didn't have to let go of his cloak, his jacket, his sweater. I mean, you know, the horses and chariots were fire, so it was hot. So, you know, he probably just like, it's too hot. <laughs> but how many times did we see in history or in this world that, that people hold on to their mantle too long? And there's no transition whatsoever. Elijah, he let it go. Sometimes the thing holding you back, or sometimes the thing's holding back your next mantle is the mantle you're holding on to. See, we use this analogy of, a, uh, of a, a relay race, and you usually have the baton. And that's a great analogy, except for one, one minor small aspect of it. Is in, in the race, when you pass off the baton, you're done. But in the kingdom of God, it's always something next, gen next. And so when you pass off the baton, the baton, all you're doing, you're not just passing the baton on to the next generation. You're opening your hand up to receive what God wants to give you next. You see, Elijah, he wasn't done. He, God took him up. He's doing something with God. You see him later on in the New Testament. He's still doing stuff. So it's not just passing, oh, I'm done now. No, no, there's something next for you. And, I, and so we'll look here at, the, at one of the last two scriptures here. Numbers 20. So we're going back to Aaron and Moses. It says, after they set out from Kadesh, the entire Israelite community came to Mount Or, and the Lord said to Moses and Aaron at Mount Or on the border of the land of Edom, Aaron will be gathered to his people. He will not enter the land I have given the Israelites because you both rebelled against my command at the waters of Meribah. Take Aaron and his son Eleazar and bring them up Mount Or. Remove Aaron's garments and put them on his son Eleazar. Aaron will be gathered to his people and die there. So Moses did as the Lord commanded, and they climbed Mount Or in the sight of the whole community. 
After Moses removed Aaron's garments and put them on his son Eleazar, Aaron died there on top of the mountain. Then Moses and Eleazar came down from the mountain. See, God will raise up another generation with or without our participation. I just hope that we can participate with God in his plan and what he wants to do. You know, those garments that Aaron had were made specifically for him as the first priest, the first high priest. Those garments signified his role, his responsibility, his title. It was very, very important. And when we look at the end of Elijah's life and the end of Aaron's life, you juxtapose those two things together, we see two different scenarios, don't we? In one aspect, Elijah, his garments fell off of him. He let it go. But in Aaron, it had to be taken off of him. And I was left with this sobering thought, is either you take off your garments or your garments will be taken off of you. Don't be afraid to pass on your mantle because God has something even better for you. And this was a sobering moment because, again, Aaron is a man of faith, a great man. But, and, and, and I don't know why. Maybe it's just the way it's written, but it's written this way. But it says, that it's like, why didn't Aaron give his garments to his son? Was he willing to do it or not? I don't know. But I know this. The Lord said, take him up to the mountain, remove his garments, and then he'll die. How many of you all hold on to stuff and say, you know, <laughs> over my dead body? <laughs> Let me help you. God doesn't have to wait for you to die to take something from you. Aaron wasn't dead yet. Could you imagine what that felt? I mean, it's bittersweet. Like, okay, at least my son is getting it. But man, I, I wish I could have been the one to actually take it off and give it to him. As opposed to the Lord having to step in and removing it from me. May we be people that walk around with what God gives us like this. And we carry it to such a degree that when he says give it away, you're like, I'll let it fall. I'll give it to this person. I'll give it to that. May we not hold on to it. So as we close, Elijah heard the whisper of God to find Elisha. Be intentional. Elisha followed Elijah. Be open. And Elisha was intent about staying close to Elijah. Be proactive. I want to leave you with this one thing. And this is towards the end of Joshua's life. He has a moment to ensure that one last thing is transferred to the next generation. That same people that he was able to lead over and they still had remnants of the old generations written on them. And as he's dying, he's like, okay, I got one more thing. This is the most important thing. This is the, the, the main thing. This is it. And if, 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 you, if, I, if I don't transfer anything, I'm going to transfer this right now. And he says to the people who have already crossed into the promised land. And he pulls them all together and he says, Therefore, fear the Lord and worship him in sincerity and truth. Get rid of the gods your fathers worshiped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and worship the Lord. But if it doesn't please you to worship the Lord, choose for yourselves today. Which will you worship? The gods your fathers worship beyond the Euphrates River or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. As for me and my family, we will worship the Lord. 
And the people replied, we will certainly not abandon the Lord to worship other gods. For the Lord our God brought us uh, us and our fathers out of the land of Egypt, out of the place of slavery, and performed these great signs before our eyes. He also protected us all along the way we went and among all the people whose lands we traveled through. The Lord drove out before us all the peoples, including the Amorites who lived in the land. We too will worship the Lord because he is our God. There are no grandchildren in the kingdom of God, only sons and daughters. And in this moment, this generation of people, they, they, Joshua drew a line and said, you choose which one will you do. I pray, my hope is that we would all have a, a moment where someone says to you, your God is now my God. Because it's something you transferred. Because you were intentional, you were open, and you were proactive. Amen? Thanks for listening. To learn more about our church or to watch video sermons, visit gracecovedc.org.